Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 167 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Trixie on Poly Relationships. Here's your host, The Beast. Thank you, Max. And we're here for another edition of the Kinky Cast. I'm out on the right coast today in that uh, near that hotbed of national turmoil that we call the nation's capital. We have something much more calm and sedate with us today. We have Trixie with us. Hi, Trixie. Hi. How is DC? Uh, it's uh, pretty active right now. Um, it's also pretty cold. Ooh, well, we are in the middle of a warm streak here. We're hitting the upper 60s by the weekend. Yeah, we're not so lucky. Oh, I heard about that uh, that blizzard that came in. How many inches did you get? Uh, none. None. All right. It was all to your north, huh? Yes, it was. Ah, uh, there were some, some, some blessings there then, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Trixie, you're a newbie to our world, aren't you? I am. I've been in the lifestyle in poly relationships for slightly over a year. I will mention you aren't a 20-something. You're not a 30-something. No, I'm a 40-something. What made you make this radical change in in your life? In a nutshell, I sort of had a very dysfunctional childhood, grew up um, somewhat asexual, um, very insecure, a lot of the problems that uh, plague a lot of different people. A few years ago, I decided I needed to make a change. I took about eight months off of work. I started exercising. I started making friends. And lo and behold, my libido turned on. Oh, my. That was a shock, wasn't it? Uh, yes. I was, uh, well, I won't say I was, uh, I started becoming a little sex crazed and okay Cupid uh, solved some of my problems there. Um, but as time went on, um, I was realizing my needs weren't being met. And for someone, I was not a virgin, but I was not very sexually experienced. And so I went to a sex therapist a few times and she recommended that I look into polyamory. Um, and that sort of was the first step. Um, I found a discussion group that I started going to, um, and a few of the poly people in the group sort of pulled me over to the kinky side of things. The word slut just didn't fit you, but the libido was, was turned on, and poly, you develop a little deeper relationship there, don't you? Yeah, I mean, so I don't define a slut as someone who sleeps around. I define a slut as someone who is extremely sexual, very comfortable with their sexuality, likes to have sex, has no problems talking about sex. And and that is me. I like sex. And, you know, after a long period of time, really not having sex and having no desire for it, it was a complete change for me. 
Wow, that was a big flip. Were you in a relationship at that point? Not really. I was just sleeping around, um, <laughs> having fun, um, experiencing things. And, you know, the difference was when I was younger, this was something that I probably would have been ashamed of. And, and at this age, I felt very empowered that I was making decisions for myself, you know, for the good or for the bad, whatever people want to say. I was choosing what I was doing and what I wasn't doing, and I felt really good about it. And that's been a year ago, and there have been some roller coasters, I'm sure. So that's probably about a year and a half ago. Year and, and a half. So about six to eight months in is when I decided, okay, this has been fun, but not enough. And that's where I started looking into polyamory and started going to a discussion group, um, meeting different people. And just getting a general appreciation of, of what it was. Now, you grew up in a different generation than, uh, than many of our people today. Seventies was and the eighties was a radically different time sexually, wasn't it? Yes, I guess, but I really wasn't that sexually active when I was younger. Um, as I mentioned, I had a lot of insecurities and things. And so. My sort of sexual awakening was, you know, in my 40s. And what drew me to you to begin with was I was looking through Kinky and Popular on FET, and I found one of your essays, a very interesting piece to my future partners and metamors. What spawned that? Currently, I only have one partner, um, and we are open and looking for other partners and he started seeing someone sort of more for play not really sexually um and kind of didn't tell me about it until they had seen each other a couple times and i realized it really upset me but you know i've chosen polly i'm trying to make things work and so i sort of have to sit down and think about what really bothered me and it wasn't the fact that he was seeing someone. It was the fact that it kind of felt like a secret to me that this was happening and I didn't know anything about it until after it had started. You find out and your first reaction is, is, is pain and frustration, but that evolved into something else. How, how hard was that? Was that new place to reach for you? I mean, of course I was upset and there was some drama and, and, but we have a really good relationship and we're, we have a, we're very good at communicating. Um, but sometimes I say things that maybe he doesn't always get. And so I just decided that it would be better for me to write it. And I think he really understood that for me, it's important that there's some sort of relationship between everyone and it can be on a more superficial level. It can be friends. Um, but I just feel it's important that everyone has some sort of a relationship. So uh, communication, you mentioned that word. That's an important word. Now, now are you, did you find that word was surprisingly intense in the kink and poly community? We as a community seem to to really pride ourselves on communication. And I think, yes, it's it's predominant. It's, you know, you hear it all the time. 
I think that's part of what spoke to me. Um, I like to say I'm obnoxiously honest and I'm not hurtful in my honesty, but I really don't know how to lie. Um, it just doesn't come natural to me. And so sort of when I was learning about Polly and about the importance of communication, it just felt like me, how I communicate already. So it, not so surprising. It just sort of, it was one of the things that felt like home to me. Now, your vanilla friends, and I presume you still have vanilla friends. Uh, many of us tend to, tend to over time forget what, what our vanilla connections were. They don't see this, this, this communication the same way always, do they? No. Um, but at least for me, the way I communicate doesn't change based on people. I may be a little more cautious with I, with what I say with my vanilla friends. Um, but I've actually come out to a lot of my vanilla friends and, you know, some of them have known me for a while and they know what my life was like before and they see how happy I am now. So they appreciate it. And the reception was very uh, warm then. Um, pretty much with everyone I've come out to. Yeah. I mean, there's been a mix of, I'm happy for you. Don't tell me anything to, I'm happy for you. Tell me all about it. <laughs> and have there been any converts yet? No, I mean, I, I think I've probably just made more friends in the King community and the poly community because it just feels more natural to me. Now, going back to your writing, your metamors and partners, you talk about communication a lot in there. And is this a writing to be clear to those that are looking to a relationship with you to put everything out there on the front end that you say you write better than you verbally communicate? No, I mean, I think I've found that that has afforded me the ability to communicate things when I'm feeling something. And sometimes it's just easier for me when I'm going through pain or confusion to write it out. And then, you know, most times I post it. Sometimes I don't. But in this case, I felt it was appropriate because of what I was going through. Um, it was appropriate for my sir to be able to read it. And the person he was playing with read it. And she had a very different experience with sort of playing with people who had partners. And so she didn't realize that I felt that way. And so in the end, it was a good thing. So you said that she was not used to playing with people with partners? No, she had a very different dynamic where when she played with someone that had a partner, it was sort of a, I know you're there, but we're not going to really interact kind of thing. And she had no idea that I actually wanted a relationship with her. Was this a strange uh, situation? You are the, you're relatively new to the community and to Polly. And you found yourself has a ed, uh, having to educate. No, I mean, it was difficult for me at, at the moment, but this is the lifestyle I want. And so sometimes I have to sort of suck it up and work through it. And that this was just part of it. And I try to, as painful as an experience can be, always on the other side, sort of figure out, well, what did I learn from it? And I think part of what I learned from it was what came out in this writing. 
and I've been flipping through your writings over the over the past week as getting ready for this podcast, and I'm I'm very impressed by the authentic self that I see coming out in your writings. I'm looking at I'm a good girl who sometimes makes innocent mistakes, and I can't help but but giggle at some of the um, some of the lines in here and some of your omissions here. So that one was uh, kind of a joke. Um, we had a my my sir has a private dungeon and has a monthly party, and the party was kinky court. There was already lots of rumblings about everyone's crimes, so I decided I was going to come clean with my crimes. But some of your crimes are quite uh, you. You have a quite a flair for the way you admit to your to your crimes. Uh, the crime of wearing panties. <laughs> like I said, I'm very comfortable with my sexuality. And concealed weapons. You have two of them. I'm I'm to understand. I have two charges of concealed weapons. <laughs> a left and a right. Oh, no, no, no. Two different offenses. Oh, two different offenses. Yes. Oh, my. Okay. Repeat offender. Repeat offender. But you're also a real woman, and you're you're admitting that high heels just don't work well with you. And this is something that the image that everybody has of a of a fetishist and a kinkster is, is high heels and all that. But that's not reality for many of us, is it? No, I'm actually um, packing for a, a con this weekend, and I'm pulling out leggings and sweatshirts and jeans and thinking, hmm, maybe I should have some more fetish wear. Uh, it's just not my style. I'd be, rather be comfortable in normal clothes, but I'm, ple- I'm completely comfortable naked, too. So I'm just not so much into the fetish wear. How did that comfort in being naked come about? Uh, you don't strike me have having the background there to have had many opportunities previously. No, I mean, as I mentioned, I, I had a difficult childhood. Most of my adult life, I've been sort of unhappy and insecure and not comfortable with myself. Um, and I think this sort of sex spree I went on um I gained a lot of confidence with it. I just feel very comfortable in the lifestyle. And um, I recently did a photo shoot and the photographer said that uh, a lot of the women in the lifestyle just he's shocked at how comfortable we are taking our clothes off. And, and I am completely comfortable. I mean, I still have body issues and things I'm not happy with, but it's just been a confidence I've built up over the last year and a half, two, three years I'm just feeling better about myself. You were saying that that don't be afraid to to try it to to anybody, no matter what your age is. Go on, and if you have an interest, reach out and try it. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I started with a discussion group, which is it was in a home, but something very similar to a munch, and then I branched out to a few munches. Then I went to a few local clubs. Um, I posted on FET looking for play partners. I wanted experiences. I wanted my first impact scene. I didn't know how to go about it. So I just, I threw it out there. And then once I got names, I sort of vetted those with people I knew. So I knew I was playing with safe people. I'm just cautious and safe and 
try not to make stupid mistakes and not sort of barrel into things. Do you think that that is a function of of your years of real life experience? Yeah, I think to some degree it is. Um, although, you know, we have a lot of young folks in sort of my local community and the groups that I'm around that have sort of taken the same sort of path in sort of educating themselves and exposing themselves to things and meeting people and not just diving in. So I think part of it is my age and life experience, but I think also part of it is sort of maybe a certain personality type. I'm flipping through some more of your writings here and just running across one from about five five months ago. Mm-hmm. My new favorite position. Uh-huh. That's amazingly brave posting. Uh-huh. The imagery hit paints is very revealing. I'm just uh, very, very complimentary on the fact that you have come out and and ran with this discovery. I I really feel like I found home. I don't have a relationship with much of the people in my family. Um, I work internationally, so I have lived all over the world. Um, and I've often tried to sort of escape from real life. And it's now that I'm in this lifestyle that I feel like I've found community and I've found home. Flipping through just a hair further, further back, uh, I see what you mean about the daily emails from people. I'm looking at unsolicited advances. Yeah. Here's a good one. On uh, August 17th, you got an email from somebody. I just joined today. You're hot. I'm married. You want to have some lunchtime fun? I didn't read your profile. I don't care what it says. I just want to fuck you. Yep, that's uh, pretty common. And you stuck around. This was this was something you weren't familiar with, and you stick around. So, uh, how did you process these early days of these hard, hard hitting come outs? I mean, I think early on, when I was sort of less experienced, I kind of just some of them I sort of deleted some of them I kind of played with or flirted with. I've looked back at some, I've kept all my messages. And and so I've looked back historically sometimes and looked at how I responded to someone and sort of laughed at myself um, because I was sort of flirty. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know people. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to learn. Um, Now I just pretty much ignore them. From the 22 year old, I have read your profile. We can have a date, I think. I'm from China and Switch. I can give you amazing experience on sex. (laughs) How many young men do you get? It varies. Sometimes I get a lot of younger men. It it almost goes through like phases. I'll get a lot of younger men. Then I'll get a lot of older men. Then I'll get a lot of um, submissive men. And it's sort of they miss certain parts of my profile or they don't even read it at all. Um, I actually just changed all my photos, except for a handful, to private, hoping that would reduce some of the random messages I get. And has it worked? Um, A little bit. Yeah, I think so. I haven't gotten the time. Look at your BDSM test, the, uh, the infamous BDSM test. Do you think mm-hmm. it was accurate? Basically, five categories have sort of moved around a little bit over the last year. I think it's fairly accurate. I. 
I still identify as a slut because I think I'm more sex positive and sort of out there than the average Joe. Um, my submissive has been sort of rising, um, but I'm in a DS relationship where I, I, I want to be his submissive. And so I think that's why I don't identify as a submissive, um, but I'm very submissive to him. So it's just sort of the right relationship. I'm definitely experimentalist. I want to try everything um, at least once. If I don't like it, then I move on. Definitely non-monogamous. The only one that sort of stayed in my top five is Rope Bunny, which I don't really have a ton of experience with rope, so I can't say that's accurate. Rope is such a exciting new realm for the community. Well, I did a rope scene with my one of my partners on Saturday night, just threw it together, a rope and a knife, and it was very entertaining for us both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listeners, I really encourage you to check out the writings, because some of them are quite thoughtful. I'm just looking at your one now. Why don't they teach us to look at our bodies through the eyes of men? As I mentioned, I still have some body issues. I'm comfortable with my body now. I don't hide my body. It doesn't stop me from doing things. But, you know, I am not very fond of my ass. Everyone loves my ass. Uh, You know, we see our bodies through a very different lens than men. And, yes, there are men who like the swimsuit model type. But I think if we understood more of how men appreciate bodies rather than the media, I think we might have a different appreciation for our bodies. Do you think that goes the other way? Do you think if men understood what, how women were, were looking at them, they might have a different uh, view of their own selves? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes for anyone. If you, I mean, the parts of me that I don't necessarily love are appreciated, which makes me more comfortable with them. And what do you think women look at in men? What do you look at in a man? Do you look at their body or do you, or, or is it much more complicated? I mean, when I started, I was the consummate cougar. I only saw younger guys because I thought they could keep up with my sex drive. Um, I, don't look my age. I look younger than my age. And so I thought they looked more my age. And so that's kind of what I was going for. I mean, I was, it was very vain and sort of visual. Now it's just someone that I can have a conversation with that makes me laugh, that brings something different to my life, but is also into some of the same things I'm into. You know, my sir is probably... I mean, he was nowhere on my horizon of thinking in terms of who I would end up with. Um, but we work. Took a, took a little time to, to, to be convinced of that. Yeah. I mean, he's older than me and I was just looking for younger. Um, and, and now I'm convinced that age is not necessarily a factor. It, there's other things that need to be considered. A relationship is a very complicated thing, isn't it? Mm hmm. Very complicated. Sometimes the we need the opposites to complete us, and sometimes we need the same. And it just is uh, the combination you find 
the right combination in a person eventually. Yeah, and and neither one of us were really looking for a relationship. We were just looking to have fun, and it just there was some sort of connection there that we didn't expect. What's in the future, Trixie? I mean, I think just continuing to learn and to grow and find my place. And I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to be a mentor for anyone, but I would like to have some sort of educational role at some point, And that may be five years out, but I think I've done this in such a way that I have something I can offer. And at least in this area, sometimes I get worried about the TNGers that they're sort of Rather than building off of old culture, they're sort of starting their own culture and separating themselves too much. I tend to agree with you, but I tend to think that some of the old-timers are a little too rigid. Yes. I'm a believer that culture changes over time. And so old-school BDSM needs to adapt to the current times. There are a lot of values and things in old school BDSM that should be kept alive. And when you just sort of branch off, you lose a lot of that. How do we make this happen? I mean, I think it's just encouraging younger people to join, to go to munches that are sort of more diverse, um, to go to clubs that are more diverse, to private parties. Um, you know, like I said, we, my sir has a private party. Um, we have a few clubs that we go to and we just try to encourage the younger people that we go to go to those same places, um, to sort of not isolate themselves just with the younger community, but meet more of a diverse crowd of people. And what would you say to the, uh, more experienced that are a little inflexible? How would you encourage them to ingest their behaviors and and approaches? I mean, it's hard because there are some uh, older folks that have been in the lifestyle 30, 40 years, and they just see things a certain way. But in order to preserve some of the culture, they have to sort of modernize a bit. And sometimes it's maybe not the the way you do something, but the actual message. Um, that needs to be delivered. So not the rigid do A, B, C, but what's the result? What are you trying to get out of A, B, C? So more worried about the holistic side of it than the, than a certain recipe that has to be followed. Yeah. I hope that some people hear your, hear your thoughts and maybe heed them because I do see us potentially uh, getting a widening gulf instead of a narrowing. And we need all of the community to come together in these potentially harrowing times because it could get very uh, unpleasant for us. Absolutely. I think everyone's worried about what's to come. And so, yeah, we have to stick together and, you know, protect each other from what's going on and from the predators that are out there because they're in every community. We tend to attract the edgy people, the people on the edge of society into our community. And I think we have a problem on how to filter them appropriately without feeling that we are being overly harsh 
And some people need to be filtered out, uh, but we need to be receptive to, to most people. It's a, a discussion I've had with a friend of mine. It's, you know, if you ban them and prohibit them from going to all the places, they're just going to find another place. And then who's going to be watching them? Um, so I don't know that banning and those sorts of things are necessarily the right answer because you want to be able to keep an eye on some of these people because if this is what they're going to do, they're going to do it in private. And there are many people that are willing to fall into that trap because they're insecure about their interests and they're more than happy to explore privately to keep it a secret. Yeah, and they're also excited and wanting to sort of jump in feet first and not necessarily do all the steps necessary to learn about people, to learn about venues. And so, yeah, they can get in trouble. And sometimes even if you tell them, they don't want to hear it and they just go on their own. Was it your time in the professional world, you think, that tempered you to be able to be a little bold and a little cautious both? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've worked a lot internationally. I've traveled to random countries on my own. Um, so sort of on a work level, I've always been very confident and self-assured and sort of independent. And I think once I sort of started gaining some self-confidence and sort of more of a personal side, all of that just sort of bled over. You're the sum of your parts. I hope the future treats you well, Trixie. Thank you. And we've enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Yeah, I hope I can help someone. I'm sure some of the things I've said will maybe rub someone the wrong way. And, you know, all I can say is everyone has their own journey and the way they learn. And if I can help someone, great. If I can't, um, just make sure you find someone that can. I think that uh, more people are going to find words of wisdom and motivation and inspiration than they are words of division in your writings and your words. So, thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to episode 167 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we chat with Alves Bella on Kink and Real Life. 